You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Worship you, Almighty God, there is none like you. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. Lord, I worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. Oh, draw me, Lord, closer to you. Oh, draw me, Lord. Oh, draw me, Lord. And I'll run, I'll run after you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll run after you. I will run after you, Lord. That's what we need. We need believers who aren't walking away. But every day they're running. There's a title to my message tonight. There's a reason why I'm running. Hebrews chapter 12. And we won't be too long. Just until the Holy Spirit's through. Is my prayer. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. You brought your Bibles? If you didn't, don't feel bad. We got screens. Yes, you may stand for the reading of the Word of God. And the Word of God, aren't you thankful for it? I love His Word. I love learning His Word. I love studying His Word. I love living His Word by the grace of God. I love when He lives His Word through me. Amen? He can do that in you tonight. He'll start it. Maybe some of you haven't started, but He can do that too. He can save your soul. He can baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He can deliver you from sin through His Word, His spoken Word. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And that we is very important because the question is, does this apply to you? Are you in the family? Amen? Are you in the family? Are you in the kingdom? I'm a part of the family of God, washed in the blood, and I'm cleansed. I'm in the family, so these are witnesses for me and for you, I believe, and I trust. We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. You may not see it, but you're in an arena today. And there are people standing, sitting in the grandstands of heaven that have already run the race you're running. And they've already made it to the finish line. And that's what he's saying. They've already run the run of the, the race of faith, and they've been successful. So we're, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and seeing that we are, let us lay aside. Now this is us. Every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race. That is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down 
at the right hand of the throne of God. There's a reason why I'm running. Are you running that race tonight? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace that only comes, as we sang it a moment ago, through the finished work of Christ. And we need the river tonight. We need the grace of the Holy Spirit. These young people here tonight, and Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you that you're raising up another generation here at Faith Worship Center. Lord, we ask, Father, that you would touch the young and the old alike, those listening over the Facebook live stream, those listening over the internet, Lord God, I ask you would touch them and show them that there is, through the word of God, a reason to be running the race. And Lord, give me the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I speak your word, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Paul the Apostle, if he wrote this book, and that's what we believe, he used a very important word here, patience. He used the word patience, which means endurance. And so this word that he's, this this message tonight, specifically, when I say there's a reason why I'm running... It speaks of a long race. It speaks of a race that requires patience. Specifically that word, not so much the fruit of the Spirit, yet it is, but it speaks of the longevity of the race. It's a race, not a short sprint, but a long one. And I don't know about you, but we've all had times where we needed to drop a little weight. And in the midst of doing so, when you're running, the only thing on your mind when you get into a long race, right, is, my Lord, when is this going to be over? Come on now. You can talk to me tonight. And the whole time, when you're out of shape, especially, you're a huffing and you're puffing, and you can't think of anything better than to stop. Now, it's not God's will, church, for His people day in and day out to think constantly in their lives, I can't wait. Till this is over. I can't wait till this race of Christianity is done. Maybe that's some of you tonight. But that's not God's will for your life. And that's where some of you are. Are you thinking that tonight? The Bible says if we're thinking that, it's because of the sin and the weight. That's why he mentioned weights that are burdening us down. But there's a reason you can run. 
you don't have to be burdened down by the sin and the weight that does so easily beset you. No one can run a race of endurance with weights and sins. Before I, or in the midst of accepting the call to minister, to minister the gospel, that had to be addressed in my life. Nothing in the kingdom of God gets done when we ignore the sin in our lives. There are many people going to churches today. They're learning how to do ministry. And they're never learned how to lay down the sin that does so easily beset them. They're trying to run a race of being a part of church. They're trying to run a race of being in the kingdom work, being a part of the works of a church. But if you ask them, how do you live for God? They wouldn't know what to tell you. Like many, they would say, well, I try to read my Bible. I make sure I'm in prayer meeting and try to pay attention in church the best I can, tend church more and All of the lists that we've heard, you know, these are the things that people think living for God really is. But let me tell you something. If you're dealing with sin and you're not addressing your faith, what's your faith? What you believe. I'm going to say something, and it's been repeated here. I know it's been said in many and very different places, but if you believe right, you will live right. Believing is seeing. Believing is what you're looking to. And I can prove it to you. I was reading A.W. Tozer's book, and he said, if a pragmatic man, if a man, just a a, a practical thinker, was addressing the Bible. He could understand what faith is. And you know how he said that? Because you don't even need to uh, be spiritual to understand what faith is. Why? And I'll share this with you. Because you can look in the Old Testament when the Bible talks about how the children of Israel were bitten by these serpents. They were wounded. And God, He called Moses and He told him to what? He said to set up a pole. And to place a brazen serpent upon the pole. And he said to everyone in the camp of Israel, that Israelite trek in the Old Testament, he said, everyone who's been wounded and bitten, he said, if they want to live, tell them to look to that serpent on the pole. And he said, a pragmatic man would say, he would look at the the Old Testament text and then he would read the book of John. Now, are you reading the Bible? That's the question. Because <laughs> you don't get faith from watching TikTok. I can't say that again. I already said that. You might get faith watching TikTok. But 
you, you got to see this from the scriptures. He said, if you look to that brazen serpent on the pole, everyone would live, right? Just look in. That's all he asked him to do. Under the law, he legislated it. Under grace, he provided it. He commanded under the law, but under grace, he provided it. I'm going to say that again. He told us what to do under the law, and under grace, he shows us how to do it. Under the, under the law, he said, you better do. Under grace, he said, I'm going to do. He said, you, might, you need to live a holy life under the law. Under grace, he said, I've lived the holy life for you. Now look to me and live. And he said, hallelujah. He said, if you were a pragmatic man, you would look at the Old Testament and what it said about the serpent. And then you would read in the book of John, chapter 3. I'm going to do that for you. And I couldn't find books last night. But I'm going to find this one. And in John chapter 3, listen to this. The Bible says, we always quote John 3.16, you know it. But if you read on a little bit, I'm sorry, if you read on, if you read right before that passage, John says this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in Him will not die. <laughs> they won't be wounded in, and, but from the bite of those fiery serpents in the Old Testament, they would be dead and that death would be, would, would be incurred. But for this, he said, you look to the Son of Man, you will live. He said, whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And he said this, he said, a pragmatic man could deduce that what you believe in is where you're looking. In our text, what are you looking to? You've got a problem in your life. What do you look to? Do I have the revelation of the cross that I need to have of the new covenant, of the gospel? When you get in trouble, where do you look? What do you look to? The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You will never find the strength to lay sin down and the weight that does so easily beset you until you've looked to the cross of Christ. There is no power in the flesh. There is no strength in your church attendance. There is no power in human works. There is no power. You can't pray enough to get sin out of your life. You can fast. I've, you've heard this until you're so skinny they could pull you through a keyhole. But you cannot fast sin out of your life. And Satan fights the Christian so hard. You know what he does? He gets your mind, and we've all been there on the failure, on the problem. And even the preaching from behind pulpits sometimes today, it's symptomatic preaching. We're just talking about the problems. Come to my marriage seminar, I'll fix your marriage. Come to my 
Drug addiction seminar will fix the drug addiction. Symptoms. Only looking to the correct source will ever deal with the source of the problem. And that's what Hebrews is telling us. That there's a reason why you can run tonight. Amen. It's what you're looking to. Because under the Old Testament, there were those who were looking ahead to something coming. And in, by doing so, they finished their course. I'm going to tell you something. Where you're looking to, your source of strength is why you'll be able to finish this, 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 this long, enduring race. It's what you're looking to that will determine the quality of your Christian experience. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, and I just want to share this with you from the book itself. You know what the main message is? Don't draw back. Don't draw back. And here's the truth. The Hebrews, right? I know we make jokes about men brewing coffee, right? And all that. It's about, well, you're a quiet bunch, you know that? It's okay. I won't hold it against you. I'll just preach louder. Maybe not. Hmm. I hope you're thinking. Hebrews says not to draw back. You know what that meant for the Jews? It meant don't go back to tradition. What you're comfortable with. What you know. See, for coming to Christ, they had to turn away from all the Jewish rituals, all the traditions, and they had to accept the fact, like the Pharisees didn't, right, that our traditions are vain, that our practices aren't saving us, that our being Jewish doesn't save us, and they had to accept Christ. And so the truth is, for the Hebrews, the easiest thing for them to do, like some of us, is to fall back to what was most comfortable for them, tradition, the law of Moses, their performance, their Sabbath keeping, their dietary laws. To revert to the law for the Jew, though, has a parallel in our lives. We can revert back to what we once knew. Now, you don't have to be a Jew. And I don't think you are, unless you are. And you can let me know later, I guess, if you want, whatever. But we can revert back. Hebrews is applicable to us. Christian, have you been saved tonight? Well, we can draw back to something. Well, what is that, though? For you and me, drawing back is most easily pointed out in a life, listen close, of self-reliance and self-satisfaction. That's what you came out of. Relying on self. Our lives as unbelievers was a life built by me. It was a life of self. It was a life of what I schemed my way in and out of. I can think through this one. I can figure this out. It's life of self-reliance. It's what Ephesians calls the vanity of the mind, the empty mind of man. It's futile. Can I be plain? The just... Shout, justified men are to live their lives now by faith. You know that scripture? 
You are living a life of faith. So listen, to draw back is to live a life of unbelief. To draw back is to go back to a place where you don't believe anymore, where you're not trusting anymore. Can I give you a truth you need to hold on to? Whatever it is in your life tonight that's hindering your faith, you need to get rid of it. Only you, Mr., Sir, Ma'am, only you know what's hindering your faith and your trust in the cross of Christ. Only you know what Satan's trying to bring as a hindrance to your trust and your dependence. But that's what it is. All sin and weight is there to get us to go back. And let me tell you something. It matters to God enough to talk to you about what you need to lay down. I'll be circumspect, but there was a need in this young man's life. And in a special way, In a special way, something that needed to go addressed had been unaddressed. The Holy Spirit woke my wife up in the middle of the night over and over again to talk to me about what was needing to be addressed. Because you can't run. He knows it. Don't look at me and say it doesn't matter. What it, what's going on matters. What needs to be addressed, the Holy Spirit knows. If you ignore it for just a little longer, it will kill you. Sin Never stays static. That's what I'm here for tonight. I'm here to root out that mentality that I can just go on the way that I'm living and everything's going to be okay. I have friends who thought that. They're not here anymore. I've had friends that thought we could just go on as a Christian, not addressing sin. They're not here. And listen, you can't confess sin away. You, you can't just say, you, it's not about just renewing your mind as a Christian and just saying, I'm just going to dress this thing. See, that's me all over again. I'm going to renew my, I'm going to give this a new try. I'm going I'm to step up to the plate and swing a little harder. That's the flesh. There's only one source. But you know what? I want to say something. As I shared a moment ago, you know what's really sometimes the problem? If he's going to root something out of our lives, he's got to get our attention. We've got to admit we need the help. We've got to say the problem's there. And by the grace of God, <laughs> He brought it my way. And He wants to bring it to you. But the only truth is this. He's got to know, what are you looking to? We're not running the race of faith that we ought to be running because we're not looking unto Jesus, the author, finisher of our faith. And I'm closing. He says two things in Hebrews before he teaches us how to run. He says, come boldly. And he says, draw near. He says, come boldly. And he says, draw near. Are you with me tonight? The opposite. 
He says, to, I'll say this, he says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you might find, obtain mercy, and find grace to help in your time of need. Listen to this. The opposite of the throne of grace is the throne of judgment. You know there's a throne of judgment? I was watching a sentencing, the sentencing stage of a notorious murder trial. A man stabbed a young lady to death. He picked her up, and I'll give you this word, young people who want to drink. He picked her up disguised as the Uber driver she had called for, leaving a bar, 2 o'clock in the morning. She's drunk, standing on the curb, and he noticed it. And he was lurking in the parking lot for victims. He picked her up, and he drove her away. He committed the murder. And he dumped the body. He later took her debit card, went to a bank. That's the only evidence they came up with for a motive. He just wanted some money. He stabbed that lady, that young girl, 120 times. Just for the dollar bill. When the judge asked him if he had any last words, they played all the evidence in the court. They showed him fleeing the scenes when the cops came to pick him up. If you're not guilty, you got nothing to run for. All the evidence was there. Fingerprints, it laid out he was guilty. There was no doubt about it. What are your last words, sir? He stepped up to the podium and he said, Your Honor, it is simply unfortunate that the state was not able to find the man who committed this crime. The judge responded, and this is what he said. He said, in the last 40 years of witnessing cases such as this, even though he said this was the worst one he had ever witnessed, he said, it's always shocking to me when given the opportunity to Individuals who commit these crimes are never able to, to let themselves go back to the original time that it happened. They're not able to say what really happened. They have to put on a false face. They have to act See, let me tell you something. Young people, elderly alike, with all due respect, you're going to handle sin. Sin will either, well, let's say this. You're going to deal with sin. You're either going to be freed from it or you're going to be burdened down by it. It's the greatest pursuit in life to understand the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And that's the truth. There's already been a remedy for us to look to. 
Tonight, the only thing stopping us is getting our eyes off this world, getting our eyes off what it has and what it promotes, and getting our eyes on the finished work of Christ. What are we looking to? In the Old Testament, David, he came down to the, the, these uh, beleaguered army, or well, not really an army, but a kind of like militiamen. These were the Israelites fighting the Philistines, and none of them, none of them were willing to what? Stand up, fight the giant. And it was going to stay that way forever. That's what Satan wants tonight. He wants you staying that way forever. You know what's true, though? There's a reason to run. There's a reason. Hello? You here tonight? There's a reason to keep running this race. Of it. You've got to find that reason, but there is a reason. And the Bible says David, though, anointed of God. That's what we need today. We need the anointing of God. The Spirit of God came upon David, and he looked at those, those defeated Christians. <laughs> I pray I'm not looking at defeated Christians tonight. And he looked at them, and you know what he said? He looked at that giant that was standing there, and he was threatening their livelihood. He was going to take their land. He was going to take their kids. He was going to make them slaves of the Philistines. And David said, you know what? Is there not a cause? He said, I know the God of Israel. This is not God's will for his people. And that giant stood there and defied the God of Israel. And David, you know the story. He took a sling. He slayed the giant. He cut the head off of the giant. He said, you come to me with sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. You see, whenever faith has been enacted when you're looking to the right thing. The other day on the program, Brother Swaggart asked me, Joseph, as a young person, as a young person, what was it like coming to the understanding of the cross? And I told him this. I said, you know the reason, the way I knew, the way I knew that what, was, what I was learning was, hap- was working in my life, it wasn't necessarily that I saw everything at once go away. When you look to the cross, listen, You're not going to eliminate every single sin in your life at once in one fell swoop. This is a process of living for God. But you know what I told him? I said, whenever I heard it, though, there was a faith placed in my heart that whatever I would face and whatever I was struggling with, it was going to go. That's what faith does. That's what looking to the cross of Christ. You may be in that place right now where you're struggling with homosexuality. You may be in that place right now where you're struggling with drug addiction, with alcoholism. But true faith will never say it's okay for the giant to stay. True faith will never say it's okay for the Philistines to take what's not theirs. And David comes and he slays the giant. And all those troops that were sitting around twiddling their thumbs saying everything's going to always be that way. The Bible says... When they saw David cut the head off of that giant. Because that's what your heavenly David, Jesus Christ, did at the cross. He defeated the earthly foe of Goliath. This, this man called the devil. This being called the devil. He took his head. He, the head speaks of authority. And he destroyed the power of the evil one. Hebrew says through death. And when they saw the head cut off their foe. The Bible says... They rose up, (laughs) they shouted, 
And you know what they did next? They then looked at the Philistines and they pursued them. Are you running the race? Are you running the race? What are you looking to? They had a reason to stand up. They had a reason to shout. And they had a reason to pursue. Why? Well, what would you do? I thought this was, I thought we would be given up. We've thrown in the towel. That's where some Christians are tonight. This is going to be a bondage I'll always experience. It matters. Remember what I told you. My personal life, doesn't matter how small or how big it may be, is sin. And if you're going <laughs> to... If you're going to get through this Christian journey, you're going to have to deal with sin. Not just your neighbors, but yours. And the only way they would ever pursue their foes, the only way you're going to pursue the enemy in your life, is if you see your heavenly David has already taken the head off the giant. And he has already defeated your foe. The only thing waiting is for you to rise up, shout. <laughs> you know, it's true that victory, there's no, there is no victory in the Old Testament that you didn't see God's people shouting. Some of you can't praise Him anymore. That's what sin will do. It will burden you down. You lose your praise. Uh, there's a song that says, if we would please our Master, we would praise Him more. And that's a fact. Living in sin will literally destroy your praise. But the Bible says when they saw the victory, when you've seen the victory, they rose up, they shouted, and they pursued their own enemies. You will pursue your enemies. He said, lay aside every weight. You won't take a passive approach to the sin in your life. You'll say, hey, I can lay this down. He's already defeated the source of sin on the cross. And now the symptoms of sin, I can lay them down. And I can run. See, then I can run the long race of endurance. But let me say something as a warning. If you don't, you won't make it. If we come to the place where we reject the Spirit's call to lay sin down, all we'll do is burden ourselves down. Now, I said you won't make it. I'm not saying you won't make it to heaven. But you won't run the race as he wants you to run. You may make it to heaven. You may not. I'm going to leave that to God. But the reality is it is never God's will for you to look at sin in your life and say, I have to keep it. Because he said, he commanded us, lay it aside. Singers, musicians, come on back. You with me still? Think of this. Hallelujah. The writer turns his attention to the preparation necessary before contestants begin a race. That's what he's talking about in this passage. The imagery is drawn from the rigorous approach of Greek athletes to training. Nothing which adds weight is retained. Are you there? All but the bare essentials must be laid Aside, As the writer goes on to give a spiritual interpretation, he refers to sin which clings so closely. It clings to us. 
There can be no doubt that the weight found only here in the New Testament is also intended to be applied metaphorically of any affairs which would impede a Christian convert in his new faith. The nature of the clinging sin is not defined. It doesn't matter what it is. Hello? It doesn't matter what it is, so he keeps it ambiguous. And, uh, and as, so as to have the widest possible application. The word translated clings occurs only here in the New Testament and is of uncertain meaning. Whatever the meaning, it's evident the writer regards sin as a major impediment in the spiritual race. It must not be supposed that any particular sin is a besetting sin. It's rather sin itself which is the hindrance. And then he gives us the positive side. Let us run with perseverance. It's this positive side which guarantees, I'm sorry, which carries the emphasis in the text. It's an action which requires effort. Hello? No athlete can expect to win without determination. The word used implies the idea of endurance, a pressing on to the end in spite of the difficulties. Moreover, the word for race here is agone. That means agony. In other passages, it's conflict. You know what that means? You're in a war. The race, listen church, the race is a long race as I've said, yes, but it's a war. You're in a conflict. It's an agony. It's agonizing sometimes. It's, it's, it's suppressing. It's oppressing. But, but yet we don't have to make it more <laughs> oppressing. And that's what I'm here to say tonight. Uh, he, the Bible says, moreover, the word for race, okay, I said, it is used several times by Paul. He says this in other passages. And he uses it to say, fight the good fight, there it is, a gone, of faith. Your fight is a fight of faith. It's what you're believing. If you believe I'm going to be this way forever, you're believing wrong. If you're not shouting, standing up, and pursuing your enemy, rather than running away from your enemy, you're not understanding faith. Truth. That gets into our hearts will have give us a reason for running. Running a race of endurance. But it's what you're looking to tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's a reason why I'm running. Are you running tonight? Or are you walking away? He loves you. He loves you enough to address the sin and ask you to lay it down. But he also loved us enough to provide what he says in verse 2. The, the answer. Looking unto Jesus. That's our job. That's your task every day. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. You know everybody can look tonight. I have a feeling someone in here hasn't ever come to the, to the faith. I have a feeling someone in here in this house tonight. And believers, start praying with me. You don't know Jesus. You're not living for Him. You haven't made Him the Lord of your life. And some of what I've said doesn't make any sense to you. Because you know you've not committed your life to Him. You're looking to other things. You're pursuing other things. You look around you. You look to your right and your left. And the people 
the groups that you associate with, the people in your lives. You look to them and you look to your right and you say, none of them are looking to Jesus. That's a good sign you're not looking to Jesus. If the ones you're walking with aren't looking to Jesus, what are you doing? Are you here? You want to know where you're going? Why don't you ask yourself where they're going? You want to associate with the world and live according to the world's means and methods? You ask yourself, have you loved him enough to say, I'm looking away from the world and I'm looking unto Jesus? Tonight, there's some of you tonight, you've not even started that journey. And I'm here to give you an invitation. Because you know what? Everybody can look. Everybody can look to him. Everyone, no matter the sin of the past, you don't have to stand on the judgment bar and say, Sir, judge, I'm sorry they couldn't find the man who did this. Because that's why the the passage tells us to come boldly. See, with Jesus, you don't have to be fake. With Christ, you don't have to act like the sin's not there. You know that's what the world does every day? They act like the sin's not there. You talk about it, they'll hate you. You bring it up, they'll despise you. But at the judgment bar, of the, of, if you were at the throne of judgment, you'd have to say, hey, they didn't find the man who did that. But guess what about grace? At the throne of grace, you can say, Lord, I did it, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And in a moment's time, the grace of the living God, it will shine on your life. It will cleanse you of all sin because you're not at a throne of judgment. You found the throne of grace. It's Jesus Christ looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Anybody can look and live. I said anybody can look and live tonight. You don't have to die in your sins. You don't have to die and go to a devil's hell. You can come to Jesus. You can look to Him and live. Stand to your feet tonight. Hallelujah. Come on and lift your hands all over this place. Lift your hands tonight and worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. Some of you need that grace and mercy. And I'm not going to belabor the point. Are you lost tonight? Do you need Him? All you have to do tonight is look up and say, Help me, Lord. These altars are open. And we're going to sing a song. And if that's you tonight, you need to come to these altars and repent of sin in your life and give it over to the Master and begin to look in the right direction. Amen? Then you can do that right now. Why don't you make that choice? Young man, young lady, old man, older lady, y'all come to the front and give it all to Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. He'll take you right now as you are. Come on and sing. Sing that song. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, make your way down to this front. Hallelujah. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Oh, let me tell you about about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. All you have to do is look to him tonight. Hallelujah. His love is strong and his grace is free. 
good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Help me tell about my Jesus. Let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Come on and make your way down to this front. He's dealing with your heart. Just take that step of faith. Oh, he makes a way where there ain't no way. He rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner can save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, make these welcome that have come out from the Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just for a moment longer. Oh, he makes a way. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, his grace is strong and his grace is free. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.